Athletesandpost.com. This is the blog section by Kent Hayden, M.DV, Master's Divinity Contributor, Student Thinker, Writer, August 12, 2010, 8.14 a.m. East Coast Time, updated December 6, 2017. The case for Christian agnosticism. To change one's thinking is to admit one's ignorance, but at some point along the way to modern theology. We bought into the idea that ignorance is a sign of weakness. Agnosticism became conflated with indifference or worse. A friend of mine used a word today that was beyond the scope of my vocabulary. I nodded as though I understood and our dialogue flattened out into a monologue. I don't remember what the word was, and next time I hear it, I'll have no idea what it means. I miss an opportunity to learn something and maybe to teach something because I am afraid of the vulnerability of ignorance. To admit ignorance is to relinquish control, but ignorance is a part of the human condition. I came hardwired with very little knowledge. To pretend that I am done learning to act as I have filled out the empty spaces in my understanding is to submit ignorance into, stu into stu stupidity, is to avoid vulnerability at the expense of growth. Unfortunately, this tendency to flee from ignorance is nowhere as common as it is in theology. Theological ignorance carries with it a tremendous vulnerability. Admitting it to oneself necessitates existential, moral, and relational openness. It demands the difficulty of dialogue. The obvious and safe defense against this vulnerability is feigned certainty. It is to nod as though we understand and continue our monologues. Jesus began his ministry with a call to metanoa, the Greek word commonly translated as repentance, but which literally means change thinking. To change one's thinking is to admit one's ignorance. It is to face one's vulnerability. But at some point along the way to modern theology, we bought into the idea that ignorance is a sign of weakness. The call to repent was placed with a demand to consent and the honest questioning that is an integral part of metanoia came to be seen as a sign of bad faith. Agnosticism became conflated with indifference or worse, and we became a society of nas. Seven years ago, I began to study religion academically because I was certain that the Christian faith contained an, ex an exhaustive vocabulary for discussing the truth. But the more words I learned, the more highlighted the gaps between our language became. I wrote some brilliant papers and some bad ones which navigated the nuances of systematic theology. I constructed arguments with a rhetorical precision sufficient to rebut the most careful objections. I learned to read languages I've never heard spoken. I applied all my skills to filling out the gaps in my understanding. And the closest I ever came to answering the deep questions of life was when I sat in silence with an old man suffering as he asked me why God had forsaken him. Under the desperate weight of his eyes, I knew that my answers were insufficient. So I read him the best non-answer I could find. When it was noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. 
At three o'clock, Jesus cried with a loud, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, Lama Sebastiani, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But some of the bystanders heard it. They said, Listen, he's calling for Elijah. And someone ran, filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on a stick, and gave him to drink, saying, Wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to take him down. Then Jesus gave a loud cry and breath, breathed his last. There is no poetry in the accumulation of answers. Poetry and truth along with it comes from an encounter with those corners of life which have not yet been filled with language. It comes from entering into our ignorance with the honest courage to question. It comes from a willingness to shake up the mental sediment in which we have hidden our secrets. On the cross, Jesus was an agnostic. He was willing to face death with a Y on his lips. Sometimes in the comfort of a sunny afternoon, which must less is at stake, I have found the strength to educate such questions myself. When my belief is stirred by the gust of doubt and my knowledge is sohoyated against the beauty of mystery, I feel the uneasy presence of something beyond my capacity to speak. And I'm grateful for all I don't know. All I can say in response to what Kent Hayden wrote is that all of the words that he wrote speak my entire heart. A conversation about Christian Gnosis of Mike Hazley, August 2021, medium.com. When asked, I tell people that I'm agnostic who prefers to live like a Christian. That describes me, Antonio Ray Myers. I heard this challenge from a radio talk show host who wondered aloud, why agnostics live like atheists? He asked, why not still attend church as a Christian? Talking about me here. This question made sense. Over the last few years, though, things have changed, and I find myself reevaluating this question. I see a lot of people are questioning their Christian faith. Me too. I'm sure this is happening in other religions, but I can only speak to the one I know best and see most often. Same here for me. While I understand people in the situation, I want them to keep parts of their faith as they question the existence of God and the role of religion in their life. I found three ways to keep my relationship with God. Chris Jammy says, Doubt is a question mark. Faith is an exclamation point. The most compelling, believable, realistic stories have included them both. Hmm. I agree. When it comes to me. Um, lifelong learning. Doubt is good. Faith is good. That's the point of the quotation above. They don't have to be exclusionary. I'm an educator by trade, so it's easy for me to continually learn. I still read history books on pedagogy. And leadership as well as the bible the books on or art as well as the bible and other books or articles of theology i read those same things too and i continually learn too i think doubt and faith are both good and i uh, and i like the fact that they don't have to be exclusionary i like that perspective many agnostics leave out the theological books in the bible but why there's so much to learn i also know some Christians who only read the Bible and books that echo their beliefs. Again, why not challenge yourself? In the last few years, I've read the following books. Unclobber, Rethinking Our Misuse of the Bible and Homosexuality, Men on Fire, 
Restoring the force that forged noble manhood, not a fan, becoming a completely committed follower of Jesus, transforming the Bible and the lives of transgender Christians, misquoting Jesus, the story behind who changed the Bible and why, truth and fiction of the Da Vinci Code, zealot, the life and times of Jesus of Nazareth. At first glance, the li this list may, se may seem to lean one way, but keep in mind, I've read a lot of C.S. Lewis, R.C. Sproul, Oswald Chambers, Rick Warren, and similar authors. I'm also about to begin a book study on Philip Yancey's The Jesus I Never Knew, which I first read in the late 1990s. Overall, it's a balance. Like, I want to stop right there and say, I read similar books too. I read books that are, um, that endorse the Christian faith, and I read books that are skeptical of the Christian faith. Um, I watch documentaries on both, and both have been a blessing to my life. I, I'm a well-balanced consumer, if you will. Agnostics should also keep reading the Bible. I, I, I'm an agnostic, but I read the Bible daily because, you know, you could, I guess you could say it's my favorite book because I read the most, but... If... You know, I read it because Jesus is in it. You know. Um, I, it, it, it still cries out something in me. Meaning. I read the Bible through the lens of wholeness. And human rights defending. And oneness. Um, and um, and world peace and inner peace and empathy and endearment. Um, that's why I read the Bible. And then it says, he says, I recently bought the NRSB Cultural Background Studies Bible. The goal of this Bible is to provide understanding of the customs, cultures, and literature of the time period. I continually educate myself on the customs, culture, and literature of the biblical time periods. It's not perfect, but it does a good job with the history of the cultures. If anyone knows of a study Bible explains the creation story as a poem, not fact, or the myth of the flood, that Exodus didn't happen, and a political debate over the Trinity, let me know. Hey, I'm the same way. Um, podcasts are another way to keep in touch with God without the Sunday morning commitment. I suggest exploring my strange Bible by Tim Mackey. It ended in 2019, but there are over 100 sermons agnostics will enjoy. In fact, I use podcasts as my sermons. Sermons are the only part of a worship service I like, so I just skip to the main dish. I can listen to them on Sundays or a Tuesday afternoon while I jog in my neighborhood. Nice. That's real good. Uh, agnostics should we read the Bible, history, philosophy, history again, theology. I'll say like history, philosophy, comedy, theology, because there's comedy in the Bible. Just read it quite carefully. Everyone should know why they believe what they do and don't do. C.S. Lewis, next best thing to being wise, oneself is to live in a circle of those who are. Find people. No matter where people are in their faith journey or secular journey, it's easy to find folks who have the same beliefs or the same convictions or the same thoughts. It's also easy to find those who don't. Sometimes it's easy to dismiss them. I also suggest keeping believers nearby. Oh, I do. I absolutely do. 
Currently, I have a variety of friends and family on this entire faith spectrum. So do I. Two of my best friends are committed Christians. We have conversations about faith in God. Actually, I have a couple of people become like family to me who are believers. And I'm immersing myself more into their world because it's an alternative to the world of churchianity that I'm recovering from. The believer world I'm in now is true Christianity. So myself and my believer family and friends, people come like my family and people who, who are my true friends, um, we decided to make our own church. We don't like the politics of the four walls. So we created our own four walls. So, and we have conversations about faith in God every day, multiple times a day. In fact, it was one of my Christian friends who told me the Philip Yancey quotation, Jesus is the best kept secret of Christianity. I wholeheartedly agree. I truly think Jesus was a revolutionary who would probably agree more with Bernie Sanders and Donald Trump. Absolutely. I've seen articles that says Bernie Sanders' politics is similar to Jesus' ways of living and thinking, which that's true. And then it says, recently I joined a men's Bible study. The social aspect is where nicest we've done breakfast together. We'll spend the weekend camping soon in our Bible studies. However, I don't hold back on my doubts, but I also don't belittle them for beliefs I don't share. That's how I feel. When I'm with believers, that's how we get down. And it's amazing how we grow in our Christ-likeness together. Um, for example, just from side conversations, I can assume that most of the men in my group do not support same-sex marriage as I do. I hope I'm wrong. We haven't discussed it. I, I, I felt that way with believers. I, I wouldn't be surprised if it was, but there's some that actually are, and I go, okay, I'm open to correction. But I'm sure they're part of the love, the center, hate, the sin crowd as most Christians seem to be and think that's progressive. I'm in the love, the believer, hate, the belief crowd. Mm, hmm. Hmm. Okay. I, I, that resonates with me. I think that way. Okay. Okay. I stole that from somewhere, but I can't remember from where. To live like a Christian agnostic, foster friendships in both worlds, just watch for when they collide. Oh, yes. Yes. Absolutely. And then it says, do all you can to preach the gospel if necessary, use words. Francis of Assassi. Uh, volunteer, I love that quotation for years. So I was a bit sad to recently learned that he may not have actually said it. Doesn't make it less true. Here are my two big verses in scripture. What does the Lord require of you to act justly to love mercy? Mecca chapter 6, verse 8. Love a neighbor as you love yourself. Matthew chapter 22, verse 39. Here's how I feel. Here's exactly how I feel. My favorite scripture is Psalm chapter 103, verse 6. The Lord, the Lord. Hold on, let me let me get it together so I can remember this. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. I'm going to tell you my favorite scripture three more times. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. 
The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. Psalm chapter 123, verse 6 is my favorite verse. Okay. I also, the author is saying, Love neighbor, you love yourself, Matthew chapter 22, verse 39. And the author says, I also read about morality as an agnostic where I conclude that the best and simplest moral law is the golden rule. Luke chapter 6, verse 31. Do to others as you have them do to you. I like this last one because of moral code 500 years before Jesus. It's a secular idea. For 10 years, I worked for, the author says, for 10 years, I worked for a faith-based nonprofit. We worked on the issue of human trafficking. I hate human trafficking. This is me talking. And then I'm going to go back to what the author saying. We ran awareness campaigns for our community and created a modern-day abolitionist curriculum for middle and high schools. I stopped tithing to my church and gave to this group instead. Now I'm finding another way to volunteer in my community. Each day, I'm tr I try to find a way to love my neighbor. Me too. Whether it's through volunteering or small acts of kindness throughout the day. Same here. There is, there, this is something everyone can agree upon. And it isn't even a religious duty. Everyone should find a way to volunteer in their community. If you don't know where to start, ask these two questions. What issue are you passionate about? What skills or hobbies are you passionate about? With these two answers, Mercer with an action plan. I actually help implement a curriculum in one of my schools with students who did, who did exactly this. This is not faith-based. Here's an example of how one student answered these two questions in an amazing job volunteering. She was passionate about animals, dogs, and cats in particular. She also loved photography. She owned her own 35mm camera and often took pictures around her neighborhood. She did the research and found out that dogs and cats in shelters are more likely to adopt if they had pictures online. The plan was made. She took her camera, went to the local shelter, and created a calendar featuring her photography of the dogs and cats that needed a new home. It was amazing. Everyone should volunteer. It might not make you feel closer to God, but it will make you feel closer to love. God wants you to have for others. Conclusion. Being agnostic and still been exploring religion's faith. That's what I do. Any faith. I feel that way too. By continually learning about religion, interacting with religious friends and volunteering community, you can still struggle with God by feeling comfortable in your own skin. And that's what I feel. I also would say that I'm open to uh, the creation story as being possibly true. I don't know. The flood, I'm open to the flood being possibly true. I don't know. I'm open to the Exodus possibly being true. I don't know. The book of Trinity, I'm open to that being possible. I don't hope that being possibly true. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. <coughs> Excuse me. Maybe the words <laughs> are symbolic. Or maybe it was misinterpreted. Or it could have been literal, but the way it was worded, maybe the writing and the grammar was unbefitting, unfitting, you know? So I don't know. I'm open to all the miracles, supernaturals of religious texts being literally true or um, even if they're symbol symbolically, metaphorically true, 
I'm open to every extraordinary claim. I'm open to all verses of all religious texts being literally true or symbolically, metaphorically true. So maybe those things are true. We're trying to figure out, is it a metaphorical truth or the literal truth? And those are things that I feel about when it comes to all verses and all religious texts. Maybe some are literal truths, some are metaphorical truths. So I think truth can be metaphorical and literal. So how to interpret that when it comes to scripture? Who knows? It could be a, maybe some verses can be metaphorically, literally true. It could have elements of both. So that's how I feel about all verses, all passages, and all scriptures, and all religious texts, okay? So my statement is, when it comes to, like, classic stories of the Bible and other religious texts, I would, and people ask me, so do you think any of these, all of these, or any of these stories are true? I would say, metaphorically, or literally, or elements of both metaphorical and literal. It may be so, I don't know. So, you don't have to keep your faith. Um, you can be Christ-like without possessing the Christian faith, like I said in the last episode. And you can be Christ-like and keep your Christian faith. That's true, too. Some people would say, you know, instead of faith, I just go by ration, rat, rat, you know, I go by rationality and reason, and they don't think faith is good. I respect that view. And some people go, no, I think faith and belief is good. I don't do the whole um, human understanding thing. I respect that, you know, I respect how people feel. Um, so, I am for intelligence, logic, and wisdom, and uh, memory. Um, I'm not telling people which political camp or party they should be a part of. When I mentioned the Bernie Sanders comments, I wanted to say that, by the way. But I just wanted to say, in you know, in closing, that um, I'm a, I'm a Christian who prefers to live like an agnostic, and I'm agnostic who prefers to live like a Christian too. It's just that's my Christian agnosticism, um, and. Um, Some people will say they think that Jesus said, love neighbor as you love yourself. He's the originator. And I don't argue with that. I'm just like, as long as you do that verse and the Nikah 6, 8 and the Psalm 103, 6 passage, it is what it is. Um, nothing wrong being a part of the four walls. You know, that works for you. Have at it. Um traditions and customs of the church that works for you have at it you know um 
So you pretty much know where I stand when it comes to faith, and as I say in closing, I'm gonna this. I will start mentioning sex and religion again on March 8, 2022. So as I say in closing. My sex partners and I engage in full soul exploration.